Hey, Amazon sellers. Welcome to the Seller Performance Solutions podcast. I am Leah McHugh from e-commerce Chris here with Mr. E-commerce Chris, Chris McCabe. How are you today? How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Hello from the other side of the world. In case you guys haven't noticed, we sound a little bit run down because it's peak Q4 and we're dealing with a lot of suspensions and a lot of attacks. And fortunately here talking about preventing those things, right? Yeah. Proper ways of reviewing accounts. The account health rating is still a hot topic. We're getting lots of messages from sellers saying, this is my score. What does it mean? Am I at risk? How do I fix it? We've had a lot of those conversations and I'm actually looking forward to what you have to say on a couple of these because I know there's been a lot of intellectual property reporting issues from people you've talked to lately. Do you want to start us off with metrics? Are those metrics misses? How would you quantify or qualify those? Well, I mean, it's interesting because we've been seeing actually quite a number of suspensions regarding potential IP infringement where there isn't even a complaint made against you. It's just information on the product detail page that's leading to an account suspension. Um, So that's certainly something that I've been telling sellers for years that you can't put other people's trademarks anywhere in the product detail page. Granted, a lot of these are cases where they didn't realize that it was a trademark because I assume everybody's not checking every single word that they put in a detail page with the USTPO. But places where we see a lot of sellers not realize that they can't put trademark terms are the hidden keywords. Those also get flagged as potential IP and also in your images. And that's one that I don't think most sellers I speak to even realize that's a thing. So if you have lifestyle images on your product detail page and those lifestyle images have other products in them, None of those other products, trademarks can be visible in those images, or that could also get flagged as potential IP. Or a brand could also make it a complaint. But particularly for potential IP infringement, those are the two places that I'm seeing a lot of sellers get into trouble because they don't realize that those are places that Amazon's looking. That's a lesser known one that a lot of brands, I'm sure, don't recognize right away. In terms of back end keywords, also for compliance reasons, right? People are leaving certain terms and backend keywords and getting flagged and they're like, where is this on the detail page? But they don't even look in their backend keyword. Oh, you mean like for like disease claims and things like that? Disease claims, right? Yeah, so for those sorts of compliant flags, those are, for the most part, fully automated at this point. Amazon just has their spiders crawling through the detail page information and flagging any keyword. So it doesn't matter if it's visible on the front end. If it's in the system, those spiders can pick it up. Because once again, even if you don't explicitly say this is your product treats a specific disease, if if people search for that disease on Amazon and your product comes up, then that is an implied disease claim. So Amazon's algorithms do pick up any of those terms. Also, we see a lot of people, particularly in the supplement space, mention drug names in the hidden Mm -hmm. keywords and that also is something that can get picked up by amazon's bots and get your listing flagged as being non-compliant but i mean that's again a specific example of of keywords that can be flagged but really anything that's not compliant or even misrepresents your product more recently we've been seeing people get flagged for their product being a restricted product when their product actually isn't that kind of product, but because of wording that they used in the hidden keyword, because they thought it would improve their search results, their listing 
got flagged as the, as a product that it isn't. But then now you have to convince Amazon that that is wrong, even though you're the one that put that word in your listing in the first place. Well, that's probably a, a driver for all the food and safety complaint yeah. warnings that we've seen sellers getting. They're trying to resolve that they either get a complaint and some of those items aren't even food, right? Yeah, a, a lot of time it is keyword based. I mean, sometimes this time of year it is also just somebody attacking. Yeah. That is an area as well where... Because there are a lot of tools that show you if somebody's searching for this, they're also searching for this word. So people put that word right into their backend keywords. But yeah, that can get you into trouble if it if it makes the algorithm think that your product is something else than it is. Also, in terms of Amazon could try to change the product category if your product is being misrepresented in the detail. So that's also something to keep in mind when you're adding sort of erroneous keywords into your listing right. to try to improve search. Well, and we've said this before, and I won't dwell on it now, but when you're hiring out for listing optimization services, make sure they've got a compliance arm or let's just say an interest in compliance, because if you're just letting them do whatever and, and they're just trying to surface your product and make it more searchable with all these little tricks and gimmicks and workarounds, that can bite you back. Mm -hmm. And Amazon will not want to hear, they won't want to see you pointing fingers at someone else who's not the account owner because you're the seller of record and they don't want to hear those as excuses because the buck stops with you. That's why we harp on it so much on this podcast, because ultimately who gets punished, who pays the ultimate price? It's the seller. It's never the third party service. Right. And Amazon's um, also sort of inconsistent with their enforcement of this. Sometimes it's just a matter yeah. of removing that word from the listing. Sometimes it's like, no, your product's been classified as this and we're never going to reinstate it. So it is worth taking a look at things that you're putting in your listing that may imply that your product is something other than it is because you don't want that it to just be permanently removed from the marketplace because Amazon doesn't want that kind of product on their marketplace anymore. Right. And that's kind of another semi-scandalous thing going on. People are reclassifying their products just to avoid having to submit compliance documentation. Well, yeah, the that's the other side of this. Don't just yeah. like remove words <laughs> from your listing to try to hide what your product actually is. That's right. just asking for an Excel that's... suspension. I know you can pay to have that done, but that is just mm -hmm. asking for an account suspension if Amazon thinks you're trying to skirt their processes by right. misrepresenting your product, which is something we've talked about previously on the podcast. It's worth emphasizing, though, because a lot of people, I think, are focused on metrics and they are focused on the policy warnings that they've received, not once they might receive, right? The episode is about preventing this. Well, one good way to prevent it is to not break the rules or not hire some crazy people to do this for you who have no idea what they're doing or don't care what the guidelines and the policies are. Because a policy violation could easily be interpreted as a code of conduct issue. Well, once you're in the code of conduct minefield, you could lose the account at any time, the entire account, all for one listing, right? Yeah. And you're actually much more likely to have the account suspended if Amazon thinks that you've tried to hide the fact that you are listing a restricted product than if you actually just list a restricted product. If Amazon flags your product as restricted because of keywords, usually they just restrict that listing. If they believe that you've tried to hide what your product actually is, they're much more likely to suspend the account. And we, we do get a lot of the cases coming through the contact form where they're like, oh, it's actually this, but I didn't use any of those words and now my account's suspended. And then yes, so that. particularly when there's like safety concerns and they're the reason that those products are in fact restricted. 
from the marketplace. But if Amazon thinks that you're trying to hide what you're actually selling, then yeah, you are much more likely to get suspended, which actually brings me to my next point uh, in terms of avoiding an account suspension, which is know what's going on. Like if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you probably are keeping up to date with, with what's happening in the Amazon world, but make sure that you are aware of what's happening on Amazon. It's very easy to just get sucked into what's going on in your own account. But I think one of the most useful things about having people like Chris and myself and other consultants in the space is that we see a lot of accounts. We're seeing what's going on at the big picture level, whereas if you're just working on your account, all you're seeing is what's going on inside of your account. So it's difficult for you to predict trends in terms of Amazon enforcement, what Amazon is concerned about. If you're just looking at what's going on inside your account, chances are you're not going to see issues until Amazon flags them. And enforcement trends take some time to, to form as well. Right. Unfortunately, I sometimes see like LinkedIn posts or Facebook group posts that are interpreting what's going on a little bit too quickly or just a little bit too generally. Oh, I see the opposite um, it, where someone's like, this new thing is happening. And it's like, that's been happening for well, or that, but it's new for yeah. you. Well, if it's <laughs> new for that person, they're going to say this is new because mm-hmm. they haven't seen it before. But enforcement trends are really important to, to monitor without just jumping on the forums occasionally to see if one person posted one thing that might be similar to your case. It's a much bigger issue than that. It's a bigger marketplace. There are things going on across several categories. Sometimes it's not across several categories. It might just be in your category. And that's worth knowing for the appeals process and for identifying what you might be facing if you have to do an appeal in the near future. Well, yeah, and it helps you get in front of things before it's actually flagged on your account. I know this is a time of year that some people are postponing making certain improvements or changes because they're just trying to ride things out until they get through Q4. But as we've seen with the account health rating calls, account health reps have been calling saying, hey, you're at risk or hey, things aren't looking so great in your account health dashboard. They're doing that all month this month, November into December, like they would any other month of the year, Amazon isn't taking a vacation from enforcement. And I think we've talked to a few sellers who maybe don't understand that. They're just trying to ride things out. Amazon's not riding anything out. They're doing what they normally do. And if it's this week versus two weeks from now, it's all the same to them. They're not the ones losing the revenue. And that actually brings me to my next point, which is to prepare for the worst. So if it, in case you do get suspended or, or again, to try to avert a suspension, make sure you have backup plans for things, particularly if you're doing your own shipping. Make sure you have backup plans. The last thing you want is an automated suspension because of a late ship rate. Make sure you have backup plans for customer service. Make sure you have backup plans for anything that could go wrong in Q4. And then further up with that, having a backup plan, if you do get suspended, make sure you already have all of your documentation in order, ready to go. Like, Chances are you probably already have the documentation. Make sure you have it organized. Make sure you have it easy to access. Maybe make sure you have it easy to pull together. If you need invoices, if you need letters of authorization, if you need compliance documentation, make sure you have all of that somewhere where it's easy to grab if needed so you can quickly appeal things that are require that documentation. Don't wait mm-hmm. until you're suspended to then request something from your supplier or to request that from a different department. 
whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Make sure you have that ready to go so you can appeal well as quickly as possible if something does get taken down during Q4. Yeah. I mean, I'll do you one better on that. Have an appeal, sure. like pieces of an appeal almost ready to go or something that you start, especially if there are signs of trouble already mm -hmm. and there's rumblings around, hey, you might be at risk for suspensions for, let's say, IP infringement, IP complaints, safety complaints, authenticity, whatever it might be. Typically, there are some warning signs. There aren't so many lightning strikes that we right. hear about from so many people contacting us. That gives you an opportunity to start, you know, come up with a kind of blueprint of, well, we need some root causes. Start chipping away at those. Start lining up lists of preventative solutions. It'll make writing the appeal quicker, easier, and not such a steep mountain to climb if you've been chipping away at it because you saw this coming three weeks out. If you're putting your head in the sand and trying to pray and hope that it goes away, it's going to make it extra painful when it's time to uh, submit a finalized appeal to teams that, let's be honest, err on the side of caution and deny first right. and second appeals pretty routinely. I mean, well, and the other the other side of that is if you do have problematic ASINs that you can see are potentially going to cause issues. What is the risk versus reward? Is it better to actually just remove those ASINs from sales during this period if you're mm -hmm. potentially risking your entire account over right. selling those ASINs? No one never likes the risk sounds... versus reward conversation, <laughs> but yeah. throw that out benefit... there. <laughs> yeah, cost-benefit analysis. And we know it sounds somewhat crazy to be saying, oh yeah, take your top-selling ASIN off. It could get the whole account suspended when we're in the thick of a November crush. But that's a risk assessment and a decision you have to make because... Well, it's always often not the best-selling ASIN anyway. A lot of times when you see people getting into trouble over something that they barely even sell or aren't even selling anymore, right. they just haven't removed from their catalog. True. Remove True. things product... from your catalog if you aren't selling them. Don't keep it in your catalog to get in trouble for something that you aren't even selling. Or a, pro a product that's your lesser used, lesser sold product because again everything is algorithmic with amazon they don't care if it's an asin you care about or not right they don't call you up in advance of a suspension and say well we we're thinking of doing this but do you want to just pull whatever units are left and dump this asin and in which case we don't have to no it's all numbers and data everybody any questions on this or all of the other worthwhile subjects during the holiday peak Get in touch with us. Thanks again for listening. Leah and I want to hear your questions or comments. So feel free to weigh in on what we've talked about today and on any other episode. Thanks, Leah. Thanks, Chris.